0: Welcome to the I Believe Podcast, an Acure Insight production, brought to you by Castle Biosciences. I'm your host, Danae Peterson, a fellow ocular melanoma survivor. Here on the podcast, we'll be sharing information and insights on treatments, research, and living with ocular melanoma.
1: Castle Biosciences is a proud sponsor of this I Believe Podcast. CASEL Biosciences tests are designed to provide clinicians precise and personalized tumor information for the benefit of patient care. If you would like more information about how Castle is transforming the treatment of eye cancer, visit castletestinfo.com.
0: Hi, OMIs. Registration is now open for our first back-in-person event since the pandemic. The 2022 I Believe Survivorship Seminar will take place this year in Nashville, Tennessee. Join Akira Insight along with Dr. David Reichstein, Tennessee Retina, top physicians and experts for two days of workshops and educational sessions chock full of info and tools to help you survive and thrive with an ocular melanoma diagnosis. Of course, we'll mix in a bit of Nashville-style fun along the way. For those attending in person, we hope to see you at our welcome reception the evening of October 13th, so please plan your travel accordingly. You can reserve your hotel room using the link provided at the time of registration, or you can book your own preferred, nearby-favorite hotel. If you're unable to attend in person, during the registration, simply select Attend from Home as your option. If you plan to attend in person or online, please register as soon as possible using the link in the show notes or head to tinyurl.com slash I believe 2022. And that's I spelled E-Y-E. After you register, again, just be sure to finalize your travel plans and reserve your room at a hotel there or nearby. Please email contact at with any registration questions. Share the news with your fellow omies. We can't wait to finally see you again. Welcome to the I Believe podcast. I'm your host, Danae Peterson, and I am here with Anna Malik, who was diagnosed at 19 in April 2020 with ocular melanoma. Obviously, during the COVID lockdown, she was actually in the the end of her freshman year at uh, Auburn University, which is a unique location. We know many, many OM patients who have been diagnosed from that area. So we are really excited to have you here, Anna. Do you want to tell us a little about yourself? Just kind of what you started with college and all of that.
2: Yes, of course. My name is Anna Malik. I am now twenty one, about to be twenty two. I am studying exercise science with a minor in psychology at Auburn University, and yeah, I just love being with my family, hang out with friends, just a normal college life, I guess. <laughs>
0: yeah. So where do you fall in your family? Are you an only child, or do you have multiple siblings?
2: Um, I have two older brothers that are. 40 and 36. <laughs> um, so I am very much the baby of the family. I have two nephews and a niece.
0: So exciting. Um, I am the oldest in my family, so it's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, but it's a little crazy because I have a brother who's just a couple years younger than you, and I'm like, oh, this is, yes. this is making me feel like a little dated. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that you were diagnosed at the end of your um, the end of your college year, your first year of college. So talk to us a little about like what led to that diagnosis? What kind of symptoms were you experiencing? Um, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. So I was diagnosed, um, like right at the beginning of lockdown. Um, I believe we were moved out of our dorms the end of March, moved in with back in at home with my parents. Uh, school was all online. You know, obviously everybody was just sitting around watching TV, doing time with family, um, I've always had astigmatism in my right eye, so I highly depended on my left eye um, for vision. And I kind of noticed, I was talking to my parents, like, my eyes are just, like, doing something weird. I can't focus. I'm having to get closer to my computer to do schoolwork. I couldn't see, like, I think I was in anatomy lab, so we were doing, like, animals, pictures of animals, and I couldn't see the very specific things they were asking us to look at. And um, I think it was a Friday afternoon when I saw like my first big flasher, and I went to my mom. And I was like, "Mom, well, freak me out! Can we like call our doctor?" So called our doctor here in Auburn. Went we were able to get an appointment Monday morning. Went there, had a couple pictures taken. They rushed us to Montgomery, which is about forty-five minutes away, uh, to a retina specialist, Dr. Parma, in Montgomery in his office on a Monday in Atlanta on a Wednesday where they were able to do the ultrasound on the eye and figure out that it was solid. And
1: um, they told me I had melanoma.
0: So crazy. Um, and the timeline of like... Just, I mean, I'm glad that it was diagnosed quickly, but just the timeline of somebody seeing it and going, oh, like, yeah, that's just a retina detachment. We can't really do anything to fix it. But like, it's good that he didn't just stop there. Like, it's so good that he sent you to another specialist who was able to look deeper because there's far too many, there's far too many of the rare cases that make us up of people who end up, you know, going another year before getting a final diagnosis. So I'm so glad that you were able to get in within a couple of days. So, you know, after you got that initial diagnosis, um, you know, what was your reaction? You know, you you basically you you just have <laughs> been told I have a tumor in my eye. Like what was your reaction there?
2: Okay, so I was trying to think about this before we got on. I think that I was more a little bit relieved kind of because she quickly got into ways to like cure it. Um because I was having trouble, you know, thinking about oh, I'm never going to get my vision back and for some people that is the case, but because we caught it so early on and because of the location that it was in my eye um I was able to do the radiation plaque but I think I was more of just I was pretty calm that day it hadn't it took a minute to like like sink in and like fully realize what was happening my parents definitely had the big reaction and not
0: me for this so no, that makes sense. And I mean, just as a patient, like myself, like I definitely compartmentalized, like just in the moment, it's kind of like, I don't know, it, it, like you said, it is kind of helpful when somebody tells you, okay, this is the plan. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. Like, yes, you're telling me this is, this is not so great, but like, also you're telling me you have a plan. So therefore I don't feel as panicked, yes. um, which is, you know, is in and of itself a good thing because panic is never good. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um So you had the radiation plaque done. You mentioned your tumor was pretty small when it was treated. Um, So during plaque week, did you, like, what was your experience like with plaque? Um, I know some people experience a lot of pain and some people are more moderate.
2: Yeah, so plaque week was pretty hard. Um, For the most part, I think for the first three days, I was knocked out from the medicine that I just, like, kept sleeping and just trying to just kind of stay out of it. And then it just got to the point where that medicine makes you feel just icky and so I kind of weaned off of that and started doing just Tylenol and then the drops, obviously, that they give you. Um, the last, I want to say, two days were awful. Um, not to, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was awful. No, it's okay. I
1: hashtag
0: feel, relate. It was awful.
2: Yeah, you can feel all of it. Um, I was doing my best to kind of stay outside, um, obviously, with my everything on that I needed to protect that. but. Being outside was, like, a huge distraction just because, like, I was able to watch my dog run around. My parents were always doing yard work. I could just watch them. Um, try not to watch a lot of TV because my right eye wasn't is not great. So I was kind of pretty much blind that entire week. Um, I think I just kept moving around. I had people visiting um, a good bit at a safe distance. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's just what got me through it.
0: So with where you were treated, uh, it sounds like you were treated and then you were sent home for about a week, right?
2: Yes. I went to Emory, got it put on. They sent me home that day, and then I went back the next week and got it off. Okay.
0: All right. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, every every time people ask me, like, well, how was the surgery for, like, having it treated? I'm like, it was hell. It was absolute hell. Like, yeah. you do not want to do it. Um but thankfully it's over. <laughs> it's over. Um, so when you were, had your eye tumor treated, do you know if your, um, if your ocular surgeon was, were they able to get a biopsy of the tissue of the tumor?
2: Yes, they did. I know it's like, was it one, one B? So there's three B. stages. I was the second in the middle. Nice.
0: Yeah. No, that's, that's good information to have. And, um, so since then, have you been able to like link up with a medical oncologist and, um, or does your ocular oncologist kind of take the head on, on your monitoring?
2: Yes. So I, I see Dr. Yushak at Emory. Um, most of my doing is up in Emory, um, for oncology. I do, I see Dr. Wells every six months and I do MRI ultrasound every three.
0: Okay. No, that's so good. Um, it's always, it's always good to hear like of doctors that are, you know, sticking to a good monitoring plan. Um, so now that you are through treatment, you're a couple years, I guess a couple, coming up on almost three years. Um, so about, I guess, what is that, two and a half years right now, basically. Um, now that you're a couple years into this um, and into having scans and just kind of dealing with everything with your eye, um, has your eye recovered completely? Like, do you have full vision? Yes. So
2: I, the tumor is pretty much gone. It's just a scar, really, um, now um I had cataract surgery because it did form cataracts after the plaque um so I got a new lens put in where I can only see far away so my right eye still does a lot of the up close that it's still not really used to but it's doing it um but that's I've had yeah I think that's the only thing um I can see I can see good it's just not the same but yeah, it always becomes like your new normal, and you adapt and get used to it. So,
0: no, for sure, um, I can definitely relate to that because it is. It's just people ask you like, "Well, how do you do it?" And it's like, "Well, it just becomes your new normal. Like, there's no you don't have another option. It. Like, the, yeah, you don't have another option. <laughs> yeah. um, so, as you have scans and things, do you? Um, like, have you done a whole lot of research or, or do you have any level of like anxiety or worry as you go into those scans each like every three to six months? Yes,
2: <laughs> um, I, I do good on like the months that I don't have scans, it's just like normal life, day to day. Um, but when it comes to the month of a scan, I do start to get pretty anxious. Um, luckily, I have a st- Good. I talked to Ashley McCrary. Um I read.
1: Mm-hmm. She here.
2: Yes, she lives here. Mm-hmm. She's also yes. an author of my mama. Um, I just have a lot of support. I try not to think about it. I keep myself as busy as possible with school or social things or whatever it is, because I know not a lot of my friends know how to relate to it. And it's just yeah, kind of like, sure. oh, you have another scan for them. But for me, it's just like so much more than that. So yeah, it's um, like
0: it's like another scan to them, but for you, it it's kind of the tipping point. You could yeah. tip one way or the other, and you don't yeah. know until you're done.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, no, I I completely understand that. So when you are really anxious, you mentioned like you lean on social support, like other ocular melanoma patients who you know. Obviously, Ashley McCurry is an excellent resource. We're so glad that she is like available and able to do that because she really is um, just such a gift to the community. I feel like, um, and she has been for a very long time. So, um, I'm glad that you have her and I'm assuming you have a few other oculomelanoma patient friends. Um, is there anything else that you feel like, you know, maybe the day of that helps you kind of manage the anxiety? Um, or do you feel like it's mostly just kind of the buildup that bothers you the most?
2: The buildup bothers me the most. Uh, Once I get there, I'm good. But me and mom, mom usually goes with Mm -hmm. me every time, and we just kind of, since it is in Atlanta, Atlanta is about an hour and a half, two hours away from us. We usually just make it a day in Atlanta. We don't just go up for the scan and come back if we can. We go get like lunch, go shopping, kind of just do whatever it is that is fun. I don't just let it just be the scan. I try to do something that's fun outside of that so that it's not just like a whole dreaded day like yes it is a dreaded moment MRIs aren't the best but I've gotten used to the machine and everything it's just the worry that comes after that and the waiting to meet with your doctor or get the results. So
0: So do you typically have your scans done there and then get results the same day or is it like a process?
2: Uh, It's kind of a process. Um, I usually we try to do appointments the same week, but this time I had my MRI last week and I don't meet with my doctor till next week. So about a two hour or two week, um, waiting.
0: Yeah. It's kind of a, kind of a toss up. Some people I hear get results the same day, which I'm like, well, that's cool. Like that's not me. (laughs) Um, that is not me. Um, so, you know, as, as you've gotten into this diagnosis, um, what are what are maybe some of the things that you think of differently um about life in general, just having this diagnosis kind of maybe looming over you and sometimes or just kind of something that you're obviously aware of um like guess like what do you what do you do differently in life or how do you think about life differently
2: um i it's definitely made me appreciate just the small things um I've fallen in love with sunsets and the clouds like just like simple things. Sometimes my friends always make fun of me because I'm always taking a video or always taking pictures because, like, just things I don't know when, like, I will be able to do certain things again just because you never know with the next scan. Um, So I think just the simple things have become so much greater to me um, than they were before. I think I took
0: a lot of things for granted before. It definitely is like a big reality check. Um, so you were in the middle of like the COVID lockdown and things when you initially got diagnosed. Um, I don't know what the timeline was for your college career, like going back to college, but, uh, as you went back to college, did you feel like you noticed really anything majorly different other than just kind of adjusting to that new normal with the vision? Um, or, or did you feel like it was mostly about the same other than, you know, obviously coming back from lockdown?
2: <laughs> yeah. Um. For me it was it was relatively easy just because I did have all of that happen towards the end of the semester. Um so I had all summer to um recoup, I guess. Um and I immediately moved into a new apartment with people that I didn't know, so that was fun to just like meet new people, I guess, and be living with new people. They turned out to be amazing. And um, school was still online then, so we were all just kind of cooped in the apartment doing school online. Um, so that I think that wasn't a big change. The big change for me was the next semester, going back into classrooms and having to have accommodations to where I could sit at the front of the classroom, because I'm not always the first person there, but I have to sit at the front so that I can see the board or maybe have a note taker or extra time on tests. That's a lot. So that was probably my biggest adjustment school-wise.
0: No, that makes sense. Um, and I'm glad you were able to get those accommodations because they're definitely helpful. Um, yes. I know like just the visual strain sometimes of like looking at a computer, looking at different things, looking at small print. Uh, and since you're doing, um, sports medicine, and in, in addition to psychology, I'm sure there's a lot of reading. So like your, your eyes have a heavy load, um,
1: yes. to
0: carry as far as what they're watching and what they're looking at. Um, well, okay. So I'm curious, like, have you, and this is, this is just, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just kind of curiosity. Uh, as you went back into college, like, have you, other than talking about accommodations, like, do you talk to very many people about your cancer diagnosis or do you mostly just kind of let it be unless they're closer to you, like close friends, roommates, things like that?
2: Um, at first it was like my fun fact. <laughs> I was like, I went through this, nobody really gets this, Ha! <laughs> like. Cool, I'm cool, like that was my thing. And now it's just I don't talk about it that much. I mean, if there's an instance where like someone mentioned it, it's like I close my left eye to read up close. So if somebody asks me about that, I'll I'll tell them what's up. But it's not really that important important for people to know all the time, I guess. Um, no, that would
0: totally make sense. So. Um, I was talking to somebody earlier today who she has, it's a totally different thing, but it's a very rare condition that she lives with. And, and she just was just sharing how she, she doesn't talk about it all the time anymore because it, it doesn't really help her to like live yeah. in that space all the time. Um, and I think that's, that's an important thing to be able to exist apart from your diagnosis and just have it be like kind of a stepping stone in your story. So I think that's super healthy that you've been able to do that already. Um, So, um, okay, I want to shift. Well, okay, before we, mm, no, we're going to shift over to your mom for just a minute, and then I'm going to come back to you. Okay, so we do have Anna's mom here with us, which is great. Thank you so much for being here with us. And it's Wendy, right? It is. Okay. Thank you so much for being with us, Wendy. Um, so Wendy, from your perspective, you have a 19 year old who gets diagnosed with this eye tumor after having, you know, random vision changes. What was your kind of gut reaction at first as a parent?
1: Shock, you know, and then you just kind of put it into gear, you know, what are you going to do? Who, who are the specialists? Where's the best specialist? you know, where's the best care that we can get and get there as quickly as we can.
0: No, I like, I totally hear that. I think it's, in some ways, it's kind of a gift that like our brains go into survival mode sometimes and we just go straight to, okay, we need to problem solve here. Um, And that can be really helpful because I think it keeps us moving through the shock and through the initial like gut punch that it is. Right. Um, did you, like, I guess just as a, as a parent, like kind of going through the treatment side of things, um, did you feel like there were things that you wish had been different or offer like different support offered during her plaque week? Um, or did you feel like you guys were able to, to provide the support that she needed at home just with pain management and all
1: of that? I guess there's, as a two pronged answer because it was during COVID and so, um, her dad, you know, could not be part of you know, even sitting in the waiting room. He had to sit in the car in the parking deck. And, you know, those were just things, but looking back on it, you know, it was just a God given thing that we were able to even get in and as quickly, you know, to devise a surgical plan and have the plaque surgery done at such a crucial time during COVID. And so that, you know, was a blessing. Um, again, I think that you know, being here, we we just did the best we could, right? We we have an upstairs we could put her there, um, shield her off, keep it completely dark, make it as comfortable as possible, um, just to give her the rest that she needed during that time.
0: Oh, I feel like that's that's just it's it's definitely an important period of time, and and like you said, to have it happen during COVID is it's really hard. <laughs> I can I can relate to that completely. Um, it can be very hard because. You're kind of split up like the team of people taking care of you is split up and that can feel difficult. Um, but I'm glad you guys were able to navigate it. And, and that, like you said, that the time th- the time frame moved quickly, despite all of the things that could have maybe slowed down just due right. to the nature of what was happening. Um, so just kind of, I know like she's technically your baby and she's, you know, she's, <laughs> she's young. I mean, she's so young. So, how, like, as you've kind of gone through, um, I guess, on an onlooker perspective, how have you, um, I guess, just kind of noticed, like, what, what she has done to cope? And, and um, what have you guys done, I guess, as parents to cope with this diagnosis and, and this as a family?
1: I think from her perspective, I mean, she nailed it when she said, you know, she does get nervous and we do see difference in personality for scan day is what we call it um but just to walk in these facilities at that age you know from 19 and now to 21 and at some point you know the parents can't do that they can't go any further and just to watch her with the strength and resilience just to move forward you know just to continue to do what she does um with very little you know instruction i mean just come here go here you know, once you're in the medical field or or in their world, it, it's just point A to point B, right? Unless you're sitting with the position. But um just to see her and the growth that she's come from there, it really has put her on a trajectory for what she wants to do for, you know, her career. I mean, this really has been a stepping stone, honestly, um, that she didn't mention, you know, quite. We can come back know. to that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but... You know, there's a purpose in all this. And so to watch her grow from this and just be so strong and to handle it and to reach out to other people, right, that have the same diagnosis that are much older than she is. I mean, honestly, physicians would walk in and look at me and think I was the patient. And then they'd turn and go, really? What's your age? Mm-hmm. You know, so we, we had a lot of that going on.
0: Oh, it's I mean, it's such a crazy journey to be on. Um But I love what you said just about how, like, just on the, on the observing side of things, just to be able to observe her strength and resilience as she's gone through this as a parent. Um, Like you said, like, you'd never wish for this to happen, but like, that's, that's a gift to be able to see that and to, to see that she's growing through that. Um, So we did kind of gloss over this a little bit, but um, Anna, do you want to tell us a little about, like, has your career choice changed since your diagnosis, or is it largely the same, Um, and has anything evolved just kind of in lieu of this?
2: Yes, it definitely has. I went into college just choosing exercise science because you could do pre-PT with that, and I've always been a very active person. I played tennis in high school. Um, Before that, I played probably every sport you could think of growing up. Um, So I did PT just because I wanted to do something sort of medical, but not med school. Um, And then going through this, um, being around the physicians that I was able to be around and the facilities that I was in, I realized that as much as the pain that I've gone through, um, I know there's people out there that have so much more they're going through and so much more pain and anxiety and worries and things. So I've changed my goal to be an OT and work in oncology rehab so that I can be someone else's light when it's just not
0: um, very bright in their world. At the moment. No, I love that. And I think that's, um, sorry, I'm like trying not to cry. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's just such that's such an awesome thing to hear, and um, what a gift like that you've been able to turn something that that could cause you to turn inward, and you've been able to instead, you know, look outward and outside of yourself and say like, okay, like I'm dealing with this, I'm dealing with it when I need to, how I need to, but at the same time recognizing there are still people out there who have it somehow, you know, differently. Maybe not. I wouldn't say worse off, but just who have a different brand of hard. And that you have the capacity and the skill set, and to to learn and to grow in that area, so that you can help them. Um, so I love that. That's amazing. Congratulations. Um, I hope that school continues to go so well. Um, I guess just as we kind of wrap up, um, I did want to ask your mom one more question. Now that I'm like looking down my questions, I'm like, oh yeah, back Uh-oh. over here. Hello again. You're back. I'm um, back. Okay. So as a caretaker. Um, What would you say are some of the things that you have found helpful in the support realm for ocular melanoma, either from uh, physicians or just from talking to other caretakers? Um, Do you feel like you've had any support as a caretaker, or do you feel like you've kind of had to pave your own way?
1: No, I do believe that the physicians, because this is such a rare type of disease or cancer, Um, The physicians are zoned in, um, at least our caretakers, I mean, our medical professionals are. And, you know, they gave us direct contact information. We could call them any time with any kind of questions. Um, And so they made us feel very comfortable and kind of safe, if you will, with whatever may have gone on. Um, You know, they give you instructions for the when she was going through the plaque surgery with the radiation and how long you could leave, you know, certain people in a room at what distance and, you know, just making you feel comfortable, um, with that new protocol. Um, but honestly the end would be just to let the patient tell you what they need and not always trying to solve their problem because you can't, you can't make it better. Um, you try honestly, as a parent, you try to take that, pain away. And sometimes you just need to be quiet.
0: (laughs) Sometimes the best gift we can give is listening, right? (laughs) Exactly. No, I love that. Well, thank you so much. Um, so just to kind of put you both on the spotlight as we finish up, um, have you kind of, I guess, leaned into maybe any books or podcasts or, um, music that you feel like you could just share that could be uplifting to somebody else if they were to go and like maybe listen to a favorite song or listen to a good book?
1: Um
2: I think for me I turned to a lot of Christian music at the time, a lot of just like watching sermons on fear specifically um learning how to cope with that in um a way that was good for our religion and what we believed in. Uh really helped just putting your faith in some someone that was so much bigger than you because sometimes some things are just completely out of your control and all you can do is put your faith in the one who is in control. So that was my biggest thing. I will say a good song right now that I continue to listen to. i get the name. i just press off. It's by Maverick City Music. And it's in their new album. It's called Fear Is Not My Future.
0: Fear Is Not My Future. I love that. Okay, I'm going to save that because I'm going to put it in the show notes for people to listen to if okay. they would like. <laughs> Okay, wonderful. And Wendy, do you have anything that you feel like you have found helpful to listen to or to kind of lean into?
1: Again, I I think Anna, you know, was spot on with that because we just turned to our faith and knew that this was, you know, something that he had planned, you know, before, and we just leave it there. You know again, it's not like there aren't daily struggles or monthly struggles or annual struggles. Last year, we had thirty nine appointments with different doctors oh and mm-hmm. so puts um, it in perspective like, cool. it puts it into perspective, particularly when you live two hours from you know most of those caregivers or medical providers and so um you know, you just have to, again, we started this podcast with buckle it on and, and move forward, you know, and just kind of press on with it. Um, and you look back over the year and and that's what you were able to achieve and didn't know you could do it. So I
0: yeah. think
1: you just um, you do that. We do it through our faith, but we also know that it's a physical drain as well. Uh, we don't want to make light of that. Um but yet you look back over almost three years and you're just grateful, absolutely grateful that we have a community like you and Ashley McCrary and others that we can turn to for resources and even just mild discussion.
0: No, for sure. it's It really is such a gift to be able to lean into um, social support, to faith support. Um, all of those areas are definitely, they're areas that are um, so key, I think, in just kind of moving through. And moving forward, like you said. Um, Well, thank you both for being here and just for taking the time to chat with me and to share your story. Um, And I know it takes, I mean, honestly, it takes so much courage to be able to do this. So thank you for, for your, um, your courage and for honoring us with like telling your story. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having us. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today on the I Believe podcast, brought to you by Castle Biosciences and produced by Agora Media. Please be sure to subscribe, and if you're so inclined, send this episode over to friends, family, and share on your social media to help spread awareness around OM. If you have a moment, leave us a brief review or consider making a donation to the links in the show notes to keep our podcast going. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Acure Insight. We'll see you next time on the I Believe podcast.